Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Welcome back. The MMA Outsiders is back in your life for episode 68 presented by Wolves. That's Iams and Bando and Tuma. A left is a co-host of a different kind of piece. That's right. It's our newly minted producer, Pat Dana, who's filling in for Tom Albano this week. As, uh, as I had some scheduling issues, but we, we were able to get this show in and we have a whole lot uh, to get to this week in the aftermath of UFC 297 that took place in Canada. Before before we get to that, we went and remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Wolves Brands and also brought to you by the Empty the Bench Podcast Network because we are just approaching um, 700 subscribers. So please uh, please leave a like if you're new and please hit that subscribe button and also be sure to hit the notification bell so you can see all of our great shows and content from all of our different podcast hosts across all the different sports you can all. Also check out great blogs at etvpodcast.com from some of our contributors and so much more. For the, those of you who don't know me, by and now my name is Dan Bando. I'm a staff writer for bjpen.com and also a Sunday news writer for out And Pat is also a writer for Combat Sports UK. So you, you could check his stuff out there. You could follow him at, at DNAMMA and you could follow me at Bando 99 And of course, one final note about Oh, Wolf Spreads, for those of you who don't know how to play, it's been our um, it's been our five to six month uh, sponsored app now, specifically around the NFL, but it's being expanded into all different sports. So for those of you who don't know how it works, you get 2000 fantasy dollars. You have to use at least 1000 and there's, um, It kind of teaches you by gambling a bit where if you use, if you use all your fantasy dollars and you who can profit the most in all your picks? Um, that person wins for that week. And then obviously, um, as and then obviously, as you know, um, you don't exclusion your house in the in the process because, of course, it's fake money. So with that out of the way, we can finally get the show started. Pat, we have a lot to get into tonight, don't we? I mean, man, it was a big past week in MMA. A lot of different headlines, a lot of diff- a lot of big news to discuss, man. I mean, just crazy. And I, I want to say thank you again for having me on the show. I know I'm filling in for Tom this week. He couldn't make it. He'll still be here. Don't worry. This isn't a permanent change. But I just wanted to say thank you, and I can't let wait. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, any Anytime we're happy to have you, and we're happy to have you along um, for the ride as part of the MMA Outsiders team. So uh, we it is, we'll it started getting right into our show topics because we have a lot to get to, starting with UFC 297 that took place this past weekend in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where we had two and news in the main event. Of course, we had Rikas Duplessis edging out a very close split decision win over now former champion Sean Strickland, and we had Rodolfo Pennington knocking off Myra Bueno Silva in a very lackluster uh, decision. Vision win to win the women's bantamweight title. So I guess before we dig into the top two fights in the car, what were your overall impressions um, of the of the event itself, the whole fight build up, and just kind of everything in between? 
I mean, the entire week was definitely helped out with a lot of the controversy going on and everything. It definitely got a lot more eyes on the event. And I think that I think that the main event lived up to the hype. I know I saw some people saying that it was a boring fight or it wasn't a great fight. I thought it was a war. I thought both men put it all on the line. I mean, the co-main event was, was a little bit lackluster, like you said, but I thought the main event was great. And I thought I thought the card definitely delivered, maybe not for Canadians, but it delivered. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it delivered as well. For those of you who don't know, um, on the on the men's side of things, uh, the and went zero and seven. I think that I think the female side fared a little bit better, but it still yeah. just wasn't good enough. But yeah, overall, getting into this main event and the stakes of the fight, I mean, you obviously had um, two of the you obviously had two of the best middleweights in the world on one side. You had Drigas Duplessis, who had been dominating the international scene for several years, and Finally, became a household name after a very nice knockout of um, Robert Edgar last year. So that obviously got him the title shot. And then, of course, you had Sean Strickland going into enemy territory to beat Israel Adesanya and spoil what would have been in a massive fight, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Temporarily spoil potential massive fight between Israel Adesanya and Drake is two plus he. But this was one of those fights where you didn't really know. What to expect? You just knew that based on what took place um, at UFC 296 and leading into UFC 297 that the, the, this fight week was going to be very, very interesting. I guess let's start all the way back at the beginning of the week. Um, when you saw them exchanging pleasantries on Embedded, were you who um, were you who surprised about that? And did you did you ever think that there would be a twist? Like there was um, this 48 hours away either by the time we ended up getting to media day and everything that went down there, because I think that from what happened between Monday and Wednesday was very different than which inspired on Thursday or Friday. If you know, if you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I was definitely a little bit surprised to see them being so, so cordial. I think it was right after both of them landed in Toronto. There was a lot of like friendliness there. You know, they, they walked up to each other, gave each other a little hug. You know, we're talking to each, talking to the girlfriend and stuff. I mean, it was just not something you'd expect from two guys who just got into a brawl in the crowd that have been talking all this, this crap to each other. But I mean, it's not the craziest thing. MMA is, is a wild sport and we've seen guys hash out and then settle their differences not long after. But now it seems like their differences have started up once again because they're now going back and forth on social media with each other. I mean, throughout the fight week, it seemed seemed to definitely calm down. It seemed that they they were they were fairly friendly towards each other. And then now after the fight, it's gotten a little bit more hostile again. Yeah, uh, for sure. So just in terms of the fight itself, it obviously was a very close fight. It was a very back and forth fight. I think there's this heavy debate as to as to um, how uh, the runs were scored. For for me personally, I did score the fight for Duplessis. I thought uh, he won two, three, and four with Strickland winning one and five. How did you score the fight? What did you think of the fight um, overall? And did you did you think did you think at any point? Based on how um, Duplessis' boxing got better as the fight went on, that maybe just maybe that weight finish was coming because there were because there were a couple of times where I thought he was going to be able to get him out of there and he wasn't able to do it. Um, what did you think of the fight overall? Do you think the fight lived up to the hype, and do you think the judges got it right? I definitely think the fight lived up to the hype. I mean, like I said, those two men put it all on the line out there. You could tell both men were worn down. They were beaten up. They had went back and forth. I mean, I thought it was a great fight. I also did agree with you that Drikas 
did win a three, two decision. I thought he won rounds two, three and four. Um, I rewatched it today and had the same conclusion that Drikus won rounds two, three and four. Very close fight that could have went either way. And I, you can't be mad if, for anyone that scored that fight for Sean Strickland. I just think that it was an extremely close fight. But there's been there's been a lot of controversy over the decision. And I'm I'm honestly a little surprised because in fights that close, that you gotta you gotta just understand it's a coin flip, you know? Either guy could have walked away with a big win that night, and it just turned that the judges thought Jerikus won. I don't think it was a bad decision, and I think the fight definitely lived up to the hype. Yeah, I think anybody's screaming robbery. Um there's two conclusions I'll make to that. Um, number one, you have not watched enough high-level mixed martial arts championship fights to come to that immediate conclusion. And number two, you clearly don't understand the scoring criteria works because if you were to call that a robbery, then the whole scoring criteria, which gets scrutinized um, anyway for its, for its own various reasons, um, and th- th- then I think you would be soundly mistaken to um to think to think otherwise. So no, I I, I thought that the I thought that the cards were right. And mm-hmm. sometimes in those championship fights, you have to make a judge judgment call, and not every not every judgment call is correct. But I don't know. I think you know now it leads to the question of okay, maybe in the future, do you start scoring fights holistically, and do you just eliminate the 10-point must system, but I guess that's either here nor there now because it's been so traditional for so many years that unless enough commissions speak up about it, then I don't I don't think anything's going to change anytime soon. So nonetheless, Drew Duplessis he becomes the fourth UFC champion from Africa, the first UFC champion out of South Africa, and definitely... Uh, someone who ignited that region for sure in a potential UFC Africa event. Well, it looked um, dead in the water for a little while after Francis Ngannou uh, left the promotion and after Israel Adesanya briefly lost his uh, his, his championship for a little bit. I, I now think with Duplessis winning the middleweight title, I think uh, I think it's a South Africa event is more likely than not either with either this year or early 2025. But overall, I thought it was. Re- Pretty solid main event, and um, unfortunately, though, it was in contrast to what was the co-main event, which was Raquel Paddington versus Myra Bueno Silva, which was not getting the same level of attention as the main event, of course. So I guess, um, what were your impressions of that fight? Did you think that Paddington was going to win because I had had originally picked her to beat Myra Bueno Silva? And you you just think, do you just think overall... is this is sort of a high fee? Well, do you think that um, you know Silva simply just didn't do what he said she was going to do? Because I just think she got outclassed the entire fight, and the fight wasn't even close. What did you I, What did you think? I mean, it seemed like Bueno Silva had nothing other than a couple good submission attempts during that fight. I mean, throughout the entire fight, there wasn't even much boxing on her side. I think there might have been a couple nice punches in the clinch that she landed, but. Other than a couple of submission attempts that did get fairly close, she had nothing for Raquel. Raquel Pennington, from from start to finish, really won that fight fairly clearly. She she was able to just dominate her in every single area, even on the ground as the fight progressed. You saw Myra Bueno Silva start to gas and gas and gas as the fight got later. And she looked like a completely different fighter by the end of that fight. She was laying on her back. She wasn't getting up. And 
she just she didn't look like she belonged in a championship fight to be completely honest Myra Bueno Silva did not live up to all the talk in that she made in the lead up to this fight and now Raquel Pennington after all these years finally wins a UFC championship I think it's a beautiful story I think she definitely deserved it and I know some people are upset with the fact that she's a champion but at the same time I mean she's grinded her way back to the top of this weight class and she deserves it she really just every moment that's happening right now is something that she worked towards so i I don't understand i don't understand how people are sitting here and just trashing her performance and trashing her fight because she did everything right that was on my rebueno silva that fight was on my the fact that that fight was lackluster was not on raquel pennington when that I mean, I'm in one thousand percent agreement, and I think it'll make the uh, the 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 um the potential huge huge um next challenge for will more than likely be taking on a former former um ultimate fighter competitor and his winner of the show, Juliana Pena, the former UFC women's bantamweight champion, and I think now that that fight just got a whole lot bigger considering the pennant and just won the belt and. Uh, and 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 he was talking all that trash in the week leading up that they were fighting for her pretend belt, which I guess <laughs> she, which I guess she is a a, a right claim claim to make, considering that uh that, that injuries have kept her out of that spot. But I guess um, kind of looking ahead from a from an early preview perspective, how do you see that that fight playing out? And do you think? That do you think that Penny is going to do what she what she says she's going to do, which is reclaim her back with ease? Because I think the way that Pennington fought on Saturday leads me leads me to believe that that fight might be closer than what people think. What do you What do you think? It is a close fight. I definitely think that it's a close fight, and either girl, if they show up hot, can win that fight. I would probably lean Raquel Pennington early just because she's been a lot more active over the past couple of years. Even before Pena got the title shot against Nunes, she wasn't really that active of a fighter. So Raquel's activity and just the fact that she's been in there with some of the best girls in the world, I know she's fought Nunes and she didn't get the win like Pena did. But at the same time, I think that Raquel Pennington's experience, her activity, and just just her style. She's good everywhere. And I think that Juliana Pena is more of a ground specialist. And I feel like yeah. if, if Pennington avoided the sub against Myra Bueno Silva, I don't see her. I don't, I don't know if I see her getting subbed by Juliana Pena. I think Myra Bueno Silva might have a better submission game. So I, I'm, I'd be very interested to see how Pena could deal with that. And if Pena would be the one actually winning those ground exchanges. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, and it's definitely a very, a very fair assessment. But I think this fight's going to come not, is going to come down to can Juliana Pena keep it on the feet and can she avoid Pennington's wrestling? And if she mm. can do that, I think an early finish from Pena is is uh, is not is not out of the question. And I just think I just think simply put that Pena is the better fighter, and she probably knows that she should be the champion at this point, considering that Nunes is, reti- is retired. But um. But it's definitely a much bigger fight now, considering that Pennington is now the is now 
of the new champion and kind of freshens up the division. And I mean, Pena was already talking about their time on Tough together when they were on Tough together, uh, yeah. Juliana Pena and Raquel Pennington. Pena's right. already bringing up how apparently Raquel Pennington was bullying her on Tough and how she was taking her leftover food and talking trash about her with other girls. So there's there's definitely a build up here. There's some there could there could be some hype behind this fight, most definitely. Oh, oh, oh for sure, for sure. But I'm I'm more than I'm I'm more than definitely looking forward to it. And uh, and we don't fully know this. Edgel, you know, past June, but if, if you were to think of potentially when this fight could take place, uh, realistically, when could you see this happening and where or could you see this happening? Because I think the UFC has a lot of options given this schedule that, that they have right now. I certainly don't think this headlines a pay-per-view, but it, it is it is definitely a very worthy co-main event. That's for that's for sure. It is a very worthy co-main event. And depending on how soon Raquel Pennington wants to or can back, get back in there. Maybe they think about this fight for the Brazil card in um, May on on May fourth, the, yeah, the one that yeah, Alex Pereira is supposed to headline. I could easily see them making this a co-main on that. But if not, I'd probably say this might be a a fight that they could potentially use on International Fight Week as a third title fight on a big card potentially. That would make a lot of sense to me. I think whatever paper they put it on, people people would be excited. But I think. If you were to ask me right now, plain blank, I would think that they would want this fight in the United States. But it's that's just that's just it's me. I could be I could be wrong. They, they obviously know the schedule is way better than we do, but that that would be that would be my early impression on that. Okay, yeah, uh, no, it definitely could be. But yeah, just kind of moving down the rest of the card, we obviously had Neil Magny with a huge comeback win over Mike Mallott in a fight that clearly looked like Magny was going to lose, and then all of a sudden. He turned it around with, with a couple of minutes left in the third round and secured with, I did doubt, his biggest win. And you could probably argue a couple of years. What yeah. what did you what did you think of the fight? Did you think that Mike Mawat just got complacent? What do you think what do you think happened? I mean, man, I thought Neil Magny could have definitely pulled off this upset before the fight happened. But if you told me he was gonna pull off that upset after what happened in the first two rounds, I would have called you crazy. I, I was shocked that Neil Magny was able to come back like that and, and get the finish in round three because he was going to lose on the scorecards if he hit there. With 15 seconds left in that round, I mean, I can't believe that he really just was able to gas Mike Malak out and and finish him in that late into the fight. I mean, Mike Malak definitely has to work on his cardio. He He looked amazing in the first two rounds, but it was obvious in that third round that Magny's veteran and cardio just abilities shined and they won him that fight yeah i mean and that's one of those things where the scorecards are never safe until they're actually right and yeah i think that's one of those fights where where where, where that exact scenario played out as such um given where magny was um sitting in the division and given what the what the rankings will more than likely uh look like later this week what do you think He's the next worthy challenger for him, considering that 170 is so deep. Hmm, that's a really good question. I, uh, I mean, who hasn't he fought at 170? That's the thing. I mean, Magny's fought. I mean, it seems like everyone he could have at 170 at this point. But if I had to throw a name out there, I'd probably, I'd probably maybe go Kelvin Gastelum, because Kelvin Gastelum seems like he's going to stay down at 170 now after the Sean Brady fight. 
So I think a Kelvin Gastelum Neil Magny rematch would be fun. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, him. I would say a fight. I, I would say I would say him. I would say a fight between him and Luke would be interesting. Um, a um a rematch between him and Shavkat would, would be interesting, and depending on how well uh uh Ian G- or he performs uh, over over the next few months, I think that rematch. Which could be very enticing because I think if Magni changes his game plan, he win he wins that fight. Um, but he, uh, definitely, definitely welterweight is super is super deep. For yeah, sure. very deep, very deep. One of the deeper weight classes. People don't understand how uh, everyone talks about lightweight and bantamweight, but welterweight definitely has some good names down that list. For sure. So the final two fights on the main card of UFC two ninety seven saw um Chris uh Chris Kerr. Or just knocking up Mark Andre Bear. This fight was that surprising. Just very quickly, what did you think of Chris Curtis's performance? And um, what do you think is next for MAB? Because this was a this was a very very crushing loss, and one that I'm sure, considering that he fought in front of his home country, that he was not expecting to have. I mean, it's tough because not a lot happened in this fight. I feel like I feel like this fight was very very timid. Both guys didn't really push the pace. Both guys didn't do much within the fight. And I feel like the decision, it could have went either way just because of the little amounts of activity. I I do feel that Curtis edged it, but I don't think it was a really impressive performance from either man. I would have liked to see a better fight from both guys. I think that Chris Curtis probably, probably, probably takes a little bit of time off only because he just hasn't. He just ha- actually no no I think Chris Curtis probably fights again soon. Chris Curtis probably will fight again really soon because of how much time he took off before this fight. But I think Mike Mark Andre Barrio would probably take some time off just because it, he just needs to refine his game a little bit more. It's just he's well rounded and he's a good fighter, but it's just like he can't seem to get it done in the big moments, and it's something he needs to work on, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's very well said, and then um. We got to the we got to the main card opener, which um, Dana White I think mistakenly called the least fun fight that anybody's <laughs> ever seen. We had um sort of evil of taking on Arnold Allen in a fight that I I thought Arnold Allen was gonna was was gonna win, and he nearly um he nearly had it if it wasn't for those um he strikes to a rounded opponent, which for the those of you who don't know, Canada uses the old rules, which mm-hmm. is why, which is why Mark, Mark Goddard had to halt the fight, give him a hard warning, and the fight continued. But this for sure was a coming up party for, for evil. I actually thought this was one of the most entertaining fights of the night, and really, I think it could go into either guy. And 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 to me, contrary to what you know, White said, I actually felt that both of these guys left it all out in the octagon. It was almost like our. Arnold Allen brought the fight to Mobster, and Mobster brought the fight to him. I thought it was a very, very evenly matched uh, scrap. What did you What did you think? I completely agree. I don't know what Dana White was talking about when he said that this was a boring fight that no one liked. I love that fight, and I know a lot of other people that very much enjoyed watching a high-level technical fight like that. Arnold Allen looked great. Mobster looked great. Both guys looked about as good as they could have, in my opinion, and one of them had to lose. That's just how these fights happen sometimes. I mean, I I don't disagree with the decision, but I wouldn't have been mad if Arnold Allen got the nod. Both guys were able to implement their game plans. Both guys had success throughout the fight. 
And I don't think either guy should be disappointed. I just kind of feel for Arnold Allen because it's back-to-back losses after a 10-0 start in the UFC. And he he put up a great fight against Max Holloway and could have definitely got the nod here. So I just think that I just think that Arnold Allen got a bad end of the stick in his past couple fights. But Mavsari Vloev, man, he could be fighting for that title next. He looks he looks great. And I know he doesn't have many finishes in the UFC, but if you keep beating all the best guys, they're going to have to give you the title shot eventually. Same thing with Bilal Muhammad. So what did you think, Zen? Oh, I'm, you know, I just thought, I just, just thought it was an outstanding fight. And I thought for anyone that had never seen Momstar before, I think he showed fully what he was capable of and that he definitely should be in that mix for a title shot later mm-hmm. this year, which leads me to believe he's going to get, he's going to get another step up in competition at some point. And I actually think he's he's more than ready, in my opinion, to take on the loser of of over versus Deportia. And I know it's I know it's a very bold statement, but if you look at side by side the matchup that he and Deportia could bring, assuming that they could they could put that fight together, I think it has fireworks written all over it. Because you know you know Ilya, you know oh <laughs> you know you know Ilya's gonna bring it trying to he set off, and you know that you know the Mufsar is going to try to pull out the biggest upset of his career. So uh, oh, yeah. I think I, I I think I think Featherweight has a lot to be very excited about. That's what that's what I think. I completely agree. I think that Mufsar could potentially even get the next title shot, but if not, a Mufsar Taporia fight in general. I mean, that was booked a couple of years ago and never happened. And now they'd fight each other at the top of the weight class. I mean, you can't write stories better than that. You know what I mean? It's just no, it'd be a perfect no, matchup, yeah. in my opinion. Perfect matchup. You can for sure. And um, mm-hmm. for those of you who feel like we've skipped it, we, we will get to who we think Rodriguez, who plus he is going to fight next in a little bit, as well as well as Sean Strickland. But off the heels of the UFC 297 recap is probably the biggest controversy in the MMA world this past week, and that was Sean Strickland's comments toward a Canadian reporter earlier this week at the UFC 297 Media Day. If you has missed it, uh, and Strickland was asked by a MMAfighting.com Canadian reporter named Alexander Lee about some comments he had made, um, I, as you could say, disparaging the LGBTQ community and to which Sean Strickland was very defensive over why uh, the, those questions were being asked and they created one of the most viral videos in sports this year. I think as they checked the video, it had over 7 million views. Um, but the, this is something that I think is very interesting because for those of you who know how who know how the UFC operates is that um, you don't really censor a lot of their fighters and what they, and what they say and what they can't say. So, I think overall, this entire incident is very interesting from several angles. Number one, from a from for, from a journalistic perspective, um, always in the week, and obviously ask um, any question if he wants. He's, he's a member of the media or for Sean Strick and can can say whatever he wants in 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 response that's of these on the that's of these on the record conversations work. But I think where where people seem to be to be not fully understanding what happened here is that, you know, um, and, and, and you and I both know this being on the other side, but you go to these, you go to these media days and you have to really feel the vibe of the room and you have to kind of know like 
what what questions do you feel like would be the most appropriate to ask? And um, you know, I've watched this this media day or this this clip now a couple of times to see like any of the questions before if any of this was going to come up. And from what from what I can recall, n- none of these questions even remotely um, came up in terms of the fact of you know him asking Sean about this. So. It's, but when this exchange happened initially, I was very confused as to what was transpiring because I thought that this was a follow-up to what somebody had previously asked, and it didn't seem that way. So I guess my feeling towards this is, did Sean Strickland act in a very unprofessional manner? Yes, but on the on the other side of that, to me, you should know as, as a member of the media, if you're accredited, when I'm Sean Strickland's press conferences are quite any other fighters' press conferences, just doing a little bit of uh, of research and kind of knowing, you know, what what are these fighters' tendencies and what makes them tick. We obviously know that Sean Strickland is not the most politically correct person in the world. So, really, my overarching point in saying all of this is: was was Sean Strickland wrong to uh, to to disparage Alex and Lee? Absolutely. Is did, did he have every to to ask why he was being questioned about it, I would say I would say yeah, yeah. In my opinion, Zan, I'm gonna have to side with you here. I I just think that there's a time and place. There's a time and place for questions, and that question at a, that magnitude of an event and that press conference, it's just not it's just not right. You gotta you gotta know to hype up the fight. You gotta gotta ask questions that fighters are gonna answer with a good answer that's not a good answer and it just caused a lot of controversy and problems he knew who he was talking to he knew who sean strickland was and i don't know if he necessarily thought he'd get that kind of reaction and that's what he wanted. i'm not really sure but there's just a time and a place if you were to ask sean that question privately or in a one-on-one interview that's a completely different scenario and it's a very appropriate question for something like that but at the press conferences for the fights, I mean, it's just it's just not the time and not the place. But with that said, Alexander had every right to ask whatever question he wanted, and I it's do true. think Strick and I do think Strickland should have handled it a lot better. And I think that it I think that the problem lies with Sean Strickland not handling the question better because if he just simply said next question, move on, and just kept going that way, we wouldn't no, be no, talking. No. We wouldn't be talking about this right now. Right, one hundred percent. And I think what else is interesting about this too is, as as we both know, ESPN is obviously the main American television partner for the UFC, and to hear them, you know, not really have a a, a comment or a basis management plan or anything like that, like you would get in other sports, to me was to me was very interesting and mm-hmm. also very concerning in a way because I think if if this were to happen in, in any of the format. Either sports, it would have, it would have, it would have been a media outcry, mm-hmm. and I think, I think, quite frankly, ESPN could have done a little bit of a better job, just kind of taking a stance on it. And to hear that they didn't take a stance, they kind of let the UFC handle that. Yep. This kind of shows to me where the balance of power lies between the UFC and ESPN. Because to me, if it was any other sport, I think it would have been handled a lot differently. 
Yeah, so. it definitely it definitely would have been handled differently in almost any other sport. I think that just the UFC being what the UFC is makes the ESPN look at them differently and treat them a little bit differently in terms of how they're ran and what things can be said at places like that. But also, there was there was word there was questions asked to Dana White after the press conference about this very topic about Sean Strickland having his outburst and what he said. And basically all Dana said was, I don't keep my guys on a leash. They can freedom of speech. They can talk what they want. And yeah, that's basically what Dana does. He gives his guys freedom of speech and rightfully so. But I just wanted to know what you thought about Dana's comments. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's very different than, uh, than what he said 10 years ago when he addressed, um, and uh, when 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 Fox was a known was a commodity in the MMA space, so I think he sort of doubled down on his 2014 comments, which is very interesting to see that his that his whole stance has has changed on that. But mm-hmm. but but watching several Dana interviews and scrums that 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 isn't that is that isn't that isn't a surprise. I think that's part of the reason why the sport. Is is as big as it is is because it has sort of like a no filter um, type of thing. Have there been things where 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 a line has been crossed, like this incident and like other incidents? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think that Strickland should have been should have been punished a little bit for the things that he said. Absolutely do. Well, I think the UFC should have gone as far as 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 kicking of the card. No, oh wait, that point that it's crazy. Most of the yeah. Well, most of the people who were going to watch UFC June '97 were going to tune in to Sean Strickland anyway. You mean you mean you tell me that now is because he has an opinion that maybe somebody else doesn't like. And quite frankly, I didn't necessarily agree with it either. But you mean mm-hmm. need to tell me that because he has an opinion and that 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 people that people don't seem to like, he can no longer he can no longer compete. That's like that's like someone on one end. NFL team accusing uh, um, uh, uh, an opponent's player that they're going to play that week of something of something that's true, and all, all of a sudden the NFL finds out about it and and, po- and, and, and postpones the game. They're not gonna. They're not gonna do that. No, no they're not gonna do that. And it wouldn't make sense to do that. I don't understand why that would even be a question because he all Strickland was asked about was past comments you know what i mean he added on to those past comments and said some more stuff but these are comments he's already made in the past it's not like this is some new thing we found out that sean strickland was against the whole lgbtq community and everything this is stuff we knew so to think that this fight would ever be canceled because of that no no way absolutely not did it did it did it cause me to lose respect for sean strickland as a person a little bit yeah, yeah, absolutely. But am I am I gonna sit here? Am I gonna sit here and say that? Am I gonna sit here and say that that that, that he that he can't be Sean Strickland for a reason? Oh wait, I think I think I think that's what makes Sean Strickland in some people's eyes a villain, and some, yeah. <laughs> in some people's eyes a hero. I mean, yeah. to, see, to, to to see the amount of people that were supporting him after that was uh, was 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 pretty astonishing, and. I think, and I think you'll you you only get that reaction from the MMA crowd, considering that this sport in 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 so many uh, more ways than one is still considered the wild wild west. And I yep. think it's 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 something to just to just monitor. And I, I think as long as Dana is the UFC 
depressing. I don't think I don't think you're gonna see any of that unfiltered stuff go away any 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 time soon. And also for those of you who for those of you who think that that they should have done more about it or that he should have been kicked off the car or anything, the other the the other the other solution is to not is to not cover it. That's what that's what all that's what all say. That's what all say that. And then again, I'm not I'm not in no way am defending any of the things that he said, but just say that just say that you can that you can take away something from someone based on a difference of opinion to me is just to me is just r- r- ridiculous. So Yeah. I completely agree, Zan. I completely agree. But let's get into Drikus Duplessis and his next opponent because he won this middleweight title and now there's a lot of talk about who he'll fight next. Seems like there's a one clear option here and it seems to be the former champion Israel Adesanya. That was the fight that was supposed to take place in September when Sean Strickland pulled off the upset. Drikus knocked out Robert Whitaker in July and didn't want to fight two months after that fight. So the UFC gave Sean Strickland to Izzy not thinking it was going to be a problem, thinking Israel would just, it was just a stepping stone for Israel, basically. And Strickland pulled off, I mean, one of the greatest upsets of all time and ruined the adesanya Duplessis fight. But with Drikas winning the title again now, it seems like we're going to be able to get that Drikas versus Adesanya fight. Do you think it happens at UFC 300? And what is your prediction for that fight? Yeah, so as I was kind of alluding to uh, earlier, I kind of, Instead, there was there was one fight that we could in a way to get to. Well, is that well, well, this is exactly the fight. I I think that the the build up to this fight is is already is already there. Um, that's that's obvious. You had Adesanya hinting that he was going to be out for several years, or um, maybe until twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven or something ridiculously crazy like that. So now I think that now that now that Drikas is the champion, and given that. Adesanya just gave the thumbs up on social media a couple of days ago and several other tweets that are going around. I think it's more than likely that this fight makes all the business sense in the world. Um, in terms of the second part of the question, do I think that they get it done for UFC 300? Absolutely, because this is the o- this is the only main event to me that that makes a ton of sense. And I think Ariel Hawani said it best or or we were this week on his most recent edition of the MMA Hour. Whenever you think that the UFC has maybe lost a step or maybe can't figure out the one main event that's going to tip the fans over the edge, everything seems to always work out. <laughs> You're sure right. Enough, that's true. It's sure enough, according to, uh, according to the unofficial script, Sean Strickland loses to the dream middle a title fight that we couldn't get for seven months is now potentially back on. This is this is this is this is exactly what ninety percent of the MMA community wanted. And this is what this is what we're going to get now. So I know, and it seems crazy because so many people are complaining about Duplessis winning, but I think they're forgetting the fact that. Him and Nadasanya is a massive fight. It is a massive fight. There is so much hype that the UFC put into it, so much hype that both fighters put into it. And I feel like it's a fight that needed to happen. So I'm happy that it is happening for a championship. And, and I'm I'm gonna make a bold statement and say mm-hmm. that this is the biggest middleweight title fight since Anders and Silva versus Chael Sun in two in two thousand and twelve. Wow. I um I think I might have to agree. I, I mean, I think the only one that would fairly come close would be Izzy winning the title the first time against... Oh, no, not Izzy winning the title. 
um, Alex Pereira winning the title the first time over Israel Adesanya, or maybe that rematch. But those are those were some big fights. But this one might even be bigger. I think so too. And you had asked me about a about an early prediction. Mm-hmm. I I think I think Adesanya finishes him in four, but I, I think I, I think it's an absolute stand up war and a slugfest. And I think whoever catches who first is gonna win, is gonna win the fight. That's I like that. That's what I. That's what I think, and and it's going to be one of those fights where there's going to be zero feeling up as whatsoever. The second the second that fight starts, those two are just going to start hellaciously throwing at each other. That's what that's what that's what I think. They're gonna they're gonna throw into into someone at just somebody else, and the other it falls. It's gonna be it's gonna be an absolute war of attrition. And uh, if this fight is made at UFC. E three hundred presumably, or at least we would hope at some point this week. I think that the hype level for UFC three hundred is going to go from a five to like a fifteen because <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone is going to be excited. We'll get into more yeah. of the UFC three hundred fights that were announced. Oh, we you can go in a little bit, but if this could somehow top the card, I think that there would be a lot of very, very happy hardcore MMA fans for sure. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, if this fight gets made, I think that Vegas will be the place to be the weekend of April 13th and what it, 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 it might be the biggest mid-April weekend in the history of Las Vegas you never you never you, you never know yeah I mean it'd be a great birthday present for me I would have no complaints so I would definitely love to see that fight on UFC 300 for sure absolutely we also had more breaking news outside of the UFC it is official in Saudi Arabia PFL's champion versus Bellator champions. It is happening and sealed delivered on pay-per-view ESPN Plus and digital partnership at the top of the bill. And looking at this card, it is absolutely stacked. What are the impressions of this champion versus champion format? It's a little bit unfortunate that uh, the, 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 that the UFC isn't on one side. On one, on one side of this equation because, because that would be Eight things a whole lot more or interesting, but this is pretty. Yep. This is pretty good too. What do you? What do you think? What do you? What do you? What do you think of it? I think it's great. I mean, I think the PFL needed to put on an event like this after the purchase of Bellator just to get the hype around everything, man. I mean, there was there was a lot of questions on if the PFL would be able to deliver what they promised with the roster with the buying of the roster of Bellator. And I think that I think that they have with this card. I mean, it's a beautiful card from top to bottom. They have multiple champion versus championship fights, big names. I mean, it's great. But then of course, you know, just days after it's announced earlier today, Magomed Magomed Karimov is announced out versus Jason Jackson with Ray Cooper stepping in, and the card has already taken a massive hit in one of its champion versus championship fights. For sure. I mean, do you think that waters down the quality of the card at all, or do you still think the card's good? I sadly do, because Magomed Karimov versus Jason Jackson was one of my most anticipated fights coming into this card, and with it now being Jason Jackson versus Ray Cooper, it definitely loses most interest I had in it. I think Jason Jackson will beat Ray Cooper, but even if he doesn't, the hype on this fight will just not be the same. What do you think is, uh, besides that fight, what is mm-hmm. one fight that you're absolutely looking forward to the most? For me, it's that it's that Impacasagani versus Johnny Eplin. It does it for me. I think that's a very, very, very interesting and 
and we'll have a fight to where you, to where you can flip a coin, and I still don't know who win who wins that. I would have to say that Jesus Pinedo versus Patricio Pitbull is another one of the bigger matchups that I'm very excited about, just due to the fact that Pitbull hasn't looked the same these past couple years, and Pinedo's been as hot as he's ever been. If Pinedo can knock off Pitbull, the amount of hype that would he he would get on his name is just going to be crazy, crazy. Agreed. Agreed. So I w- I can't wait to see what happens in that fight, and I actually think I might favor Pinedo to win. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a very interesting uh, pay per view portion of the car. But for those of you who don't know, the the early card begins at noon Eastern on ESPN News and ESPN Plus. This is February twenty fourth, by the way. And then the main card, which is only on pay per view, begins at three p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, topped with the main event, which is the heavyweight championship between Han and Ferreira, obviously representing the Professional Fighters Week, and Ryan Bader representing Bellator. Tom and I will have way more on this Bellator versus PFL mega event as it is being dubbed as it gets with a closer. And thankfully for both promotions, they're, they're not really competing with the biggest of UFC cards that same night. Nope. The UFC will be in Mexico City, but they are not competing against the pay-per-view, so all, all eyes on the MMA world should be on this fight and it should be very 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 interesting for sure and i'm pretty sure both cards have a different start time so i don't think i think mma fans will be able to watch both cards at different times throughout the day and not have to really worry about them conflicting so i think it i think the pfl did a great job at making sure that there wasn't going to be competition and that all eyes would be on their card what do you think about it being on pay-per-view i forgot to ask that it's definitely a situation where i i personally would pay for it but do you think a lot of the casual fans are going to pay for a pay-per-view like that no because it's not a traditional pay-per-view start time i would say i would say no that's that's number one and and number and number two just the uncertainty you know or you know obviously you mentioned you mentioned an injury that obviously Mm -hmm. he took place too just then certainly potentially more fights falling out that could water down the card even more and you know are people willing to pay another 75 80 bucks when on the same day the prior Saturday you have UFC 298 in Anaheim and you have Fury versus Usyk in boxing on the other side of the world so are are people really going to sh- to shelve out in the United States 160 plus dollars to watch three pay-per-views in two consecutive weekends I don't I don't know I I would say Probably not, but I'm hoping they do because this card does deserve a lot of attention. It deserves deserves as much attention as a UFC pay-per-view, if you want my honesty. This is a high-level card with a lot of high-level fighters. Some of the best in the world. I agree. You could argue, uh, I, I, I hate to compare it to this, but you could argue when before they went away, when Affliction had a major pay-per-view that had all of these stars on it from like 08 or 09, you could argue that it is too, it is too, that level where people are willing to pay for another pay-per-view product that isn't named the UFC. So it'll definitely be a very interesting experiment, if you will, to see how it works. The one thing I don't like, and this is maybe us being biased given what we're what we're able to physically cover in person, what almost me out is that this card is not in the United States because if it was, I think that there would be a lot more media interest in people wanting to cover it. 
that's going to be that, that was one of the mistakes by the PFL and it's not even a mistake because the only reason they were able to buy Bellator was because of the money they got from Saudi Arabia and the investors there so you obviously know they were going to have to have some cards there but at the same time a lot of the media that would be covering this event in person are going to have to be covering this event online or may just not cover it at all and I think that the media definitely would have helped propel this card up and without most media members being there definitely will take a hit. For sure. So kind of bouncing off the PFL versus Bellator announcement, we also had the announcement of, of PFL Europe returning to the um to the World Run Europe, which has obviously been, you know, kind of the version of uh the you know White's contenders. We have a couple of uh, locations and once for PFL Europe in twenty twenty four. We're gonna have events um in Paris, France. Uh, Paris, France, Newcastle, England, and Glasgow, Scotland, to name a few. And I, I know, I know how much you closely follow the PFL and everything that they do over there. What do you think of the whole Europe concept? Do you, do you think it works? Do you think that the PFL event that was in France um a couple months ago was was successful? And do you think that if done the right way, PFL Europe can continue to remain a success? Yes, yes, and yes. I think that the PFL is actually doing everything right when it comes to what they're doing in Europe. They're traveling to different countries that really don't get as much attention from a lot of bigger organizations. And they just bought Bellator's roster, and Bellator had a big presence over in Ireland and some of those countries. With the combination of PFL holding their own events and now having Bellator, I really think that they're going to be able to break into this European market and make a move. And you've seen it already in Paris because of the Cedric Dumbay. And a, right. and now he has a fight announced for this PFL Paris card. And I will tell you, Zen, the guy he is fighting, Vasangor Chamsudinov, he is one of the best prospects in MMA today. The fact that they were able to make this fight was incredible, incredibly done by the PFL. And especially to main event this Paris card, I mean, they couldn't, I don't know if they could have really gotten a better fight to headline Would this you- card. Would you argue, given the quality of that fight, that this has hands to be the biggest MMA event in the history of France? Yes, I, I would. I would almost guarantee that it is actually, just because both men are from France. One is probably the most hyped up prospect out of France since Cyril Gan, and the other one is Cedric Dumbay. And we saw what happened at Dumbay's last <laughs> right. fight in France. I mean, come on, he had that arena jumping, man. That was incredible to watch for someone's major MMA promotional debut to have that kind of hype behind you. I think I'd be shocked if this was not the biggest event in French MMA history. And uh, you could also argue, I don't really know if they do this over in France, but with the way that this fight has a chance to be hyped up over there, you could, you could very well see some very long lines of people waiting to get in for several hours before that event starts. Because I think of the PFL is it the right way? You're going to get a flock of people either either either, tra- either either traveling in to go see that fight or local people from the region that want to come see that fight. Because to me, yep. a, a fight between those two of that magnitude, considering where they are in their careers, to me, that is just absolute must-see TV mm-hmm. 1,000%. Yeah, and like you said, like where they are in their careers. They're both at very similar places of their careers. I know Shamsudinov is a bit younger than Dumbay, but in terms of the amount of fights, 
they're about in the same place. And I really think that they made this fight at the perfect time. They capitalized perfectly. And then they also announced these events in Newcastle and Glasgow, which are massive. I'm not sure exactly who they'll have on those, but I know Stevie Ray talked about wanting to fight in Glasgow, Scotland before he retired. And he said that he retired because it didn't look like it was going to happen. But now here we are with the PFL event in Glasgow and Stevie Ray says he's interested. So it looks like they're really going to be putting some good fights on these PFL Europe cards, man. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they can do here. Yeah. And, and, and I think it'll be cool for those fans who are newer to the PFL that will understand the full structure of how the PFL works, because to me, and and if they're going to do this the way I think they are, PFL Europe to me could be, you know, what a step up from the PFL Challenger Series it look like. Well, now you have kind of these tiers where it's like the PFL Challenger Series, the P- uh, PFL Europe, the PFL Playoffs, these PFL Champion versus Champion cards in the PFL Super Fight Division. Mm-hmm. And to me, if done the right way, you have a very competitive number two promotion on the market in a, in a, in a promotion that could definitely make some headway for the next several years considering what this new era of the UFC he might look like in a couple of years when Dana eventually decides to leave. So the, the, the PFL is definitely investing. That's for sure. They're definitely putting a lot of eggs in, in basket, but, 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 but if this works to me, Don Davis is an all time. And he will be thanked by tons of people. If his, if his whole plan actually comes to fruition by signing the biggest stars on the planet and, and making all of these fellow Aspects larger than life characters. It could end up being a wonderful, wonderful venture for him. So it'll be very interesting to see what the PFL does moving forward. And it will definitely be an unbelievable end of winter, early spring time frame for them. Because to me, I think that the sky's the limit for the promotion if they he can do it the right way. I really, I really do. I completely agree. If this is done the right way, I mean, and it looks like they have been. That's a thing. It looks like they are making the right moves lately. For a bit, things were quiet and everyone was a little scared. And now it seems like they've just been making good move after good move. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the PFL can can jump on this opportunity that they had to buy the Velator roster and make themselves a, a real number two. Now, I guess kind of bouncing bouncing from that you know they have an event in paris france obviously they have obviously they have francis Ngannou as an ambassador for pfl africa do you think after the anthony Joshua fight is when we'll finally get to see francis compete in mma again and you think that if and when he does compete in mma it's against one of these other international stars you know potentially that could come off of one of these cards that could actually give Francis a challenge that people would be interested in. I'm I'm gonna have to say I don't see Francis fighting anytime too soon. Maybe the end end of the year, if anything. But I think that if he were to come back, he would be facing the winner of the PFL versus Bellator championship heavyweight championship fight, Brennan Ferreira or Ryan Bader. I mean, I think that just makes the most sense. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's like the final boss. You know what I mean? Like Bader and Ferreira fight, and then whoever wins has to go on to the final boss, which is Francis waiting in the wings. And then I right. feel like I feel like that's like. That's that's a massive fight, especially with whoever winning, getting whatever hype they get behind them. I feel like Francis versus them would be a massive fight. For sure. So speaking of money, speaking of contracts, <laughs> and all of that sorts of thing, let's move on to our next story because it is being revealed by 
former uh, UFC heavyweight and light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier, that his teammate, former UFC lightweight champion Khabib Nurmagomedov, who walked away from the sport of mixed martial arts in 2021, was supposedly turned down by the UFC $40 million to return to the promotion. We don't know if this is in any sort of way related to UFC 300, but Daniel Cormier was doing a podcast with Ben Aspirin where this was revealed, and apparently Khabib is still sticking to his word. He's still not going to fight given that um, given that his dad has now passed away within the last several years, and he's that if his dad was not doing well health-wise, which he obviously was, and he would retire, and it looks like he's well, sticking to that, I guess. A few questions that I have right off the top. $40 million is a lot of money. There's an argument to be made, or was a statement made a couple months ago, that the UFC attempted to offer Francis Ngannou the most money that, that he, he's ever been paid to stay in the promotion. A similar story was told when uh, when they failed to sign Fedor Emelianenko and they could not get M1 Global to agree to the same terms that M1 Global was looking for. So when you look at the, this number 40 million kind of from a bird's eye view, given, you know, other failed um, UFC signings and stuff like that, do you think this is believable? Or do you think that in any sort of way the UFC discussed a number even remotely close to this? And do you think that um, they tried to do everything they could to get Khabib back to either fight Connor or to fight one of these other big stars in a massive super fight that, that nobody that nobody saw coming. I think they definitely tried. I think that UFC definitely made attempts to go out there and try to get Khabib to come back for probably as much money as they were they could offer, but I don't think that it was forty million dollars. That number is just so so high. I don't know if we've ever had an MMA person ever get that anything no. close to that honestly no. and francis Ngannou, like you brought up his situation what dana said was 10 million dollars that they offered him and i'm pretty sure francis confirmed that it was a 10 million dollar offer is khabib four times more valuable to them than francis was i don't I think don't so. know i don't think I don't, so i don't think so because if you look at his career he only and this is no disrespect to his career at all. Twenty nine and zero is twenty nine and zero. It's obviously a very impressive feat. He did the he did the Floyd Mayweather MMA style impersonation by winning every single fight on his MMA record. But if you think about it, later on in his career, he he only fought the bigger names later on in his career. He only fought you know the Connors later on. He only fought the Portis later on. He only fought all of the. These guys later on in his career when he was actually a notable name. So yeah. for 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 me to say that he was four times more valuable in Fedor when Fedor had dominated an entire division for a ten year span and beat like four or five former UFC heavyweight champions. I can't remember what the number was. It was some astronomical number like that. I I, I don't know if I can if I can believe either myself. It was forty million. It was definitely it was definitely in the tens and twenties, but 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 forty to me is just is 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 jarring. Unless they were, I completely unless, agree. Unless unless they were offering him a fight where they were like, oh yeah, if you win in this fight, you win, you win, you win two belts instead of it's, <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of what it's two fights in one night. You have to have a tournament. <laughs> no, but um, I agree. I think twenty million would be the max amount of money that they offered him. I don't think they would have went higher than that. I don't see how they could have went higher than that. And 
I mean, I know DC is Khabib's teammate and everything, so he's going to probably pump the numbers up a bit, maybe tell a little bit of an exaggeration here or there. But I, I just don't see any way that the $40 million number is legit. Now, if you were to guess, do you think they tried to get him to come back so he could fight Conor and because that's what Dana always wanted was the was the was was the rematch that he never that he never got. I mean, really, honestly, I would say no. But if they did offer him a lot of like tens of millions of dollars, what other fight would it be for? Seriously, right. he's not gonna he's not gonna fight Islam. No, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Gaethje or Poirier rematch. So no. I, I think it would have to be. It would have to have been the Connor fight. Most definitely. I don't see any other fight where they could justify paying Khabib $20 million, even 40. So yeah, it had to be. Well said. So do you think, do you think in any sort of way, the super fight, the super fight that Dana hinted on the Nelk boys podcast that he tried to put together. Do you think that in any sort of way, Khabib was a part of this proverbial puzzle? Now that you mention it, it definitely he, he could have been. It's definitely a possibility. I I'd probably say yeah. I'd probably say yeah. Now that you point it out, but now, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Now if the now if the super fight word was being thrown around, do you think it would have been Conor McGregor, or do you think it would have been somebody like George St. Peter on the on the on the on the other side? I think it, I think the Conor rematch would definitely make sense. I mean, the GSP fight would be massive too, but I don't think GSP is coming back. I think no. I mean I don't think I don't think Khabib is coming back either. But I, I'd say GSP is so far gone at this point that if he comes back, all it would do is hurt his reputation. Oh, I think I think so too. But yeah, that's definitely a wild story. So it looks yeah. like any of the any of the Khabib UFC three hundred rumors. Those have been squashed. Any happen. of the any of the Brock Lesnar UFC three hundred rumors. Those have been squashed, and any of the and any of the Ronda Rousey UFC yep. three hundred rumors for the moment have also been squashed too. So I, I think that I think the UFC is down to very few options, and we'll see what they end up doing. Kind of going away from the UFC a little bit and going to some of the or um, women's boxing side of things. We had Chris Cyborg, obviously a former UFC champion in her own right. Winning her second boxing match of a very young career in a very, very devastating fashion. This was a knockout that I did not see coming. I, I'm pretty sure I figured that she would win her fight, but not in the fashion that she did. And I'll, I'll be quite honest, I did not see the entire fight. I only saw the clip of the knockout, and it got nastier and nastier every single every single time I watched it. So, Zen, I don't think you need to watch the full fight. It was a first-round knockout. You saw what the knockout looked like. And I would I would assume that Cyborg just did what she wanted to that girl. I mean, I hate to say it, but that, that, the, the girl was 2-0. and oh, You know what I mean? She doesn't seem like the highest level boxer. It seems like Cyborg. Yeah. And Cyborg set up. Oh, did you saw the clip. You Cyborg set up that right hand. I mean, it was so obvious Cyborg was about to launch at her with the right hand. <laughs> and the girl just stood there and let it happen and then got put face first into the mat. Like, it was, it was just bad, man. Like, Definitely, definitely a great win for Cyborg, and it's great that she can go to like other sports and get highlight reel knockouts like that, like it's nothing. But then again, I just don't, I don't think very highly of the whole situation because of her opponent, and I, it's a great win, but I don't think too much of it. No, I don't think too much of it either, and uh, I think that uh, you know, hopefully, if 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 it can come to terms that the that the dream fight between Cyborg and Kayla Harrison. 
and eventually eventually happens. I think that we've been patiently waiting for it. And if this fight doesn't happen, you can put it into the category of the greatest MMA fights to never take never place. Happen. So, <laughs> so hopefully this was more so just a tune-up fight for her to stay active because I think now oh, she really needs to focus on figuring out okay, what what can I do with the PFL yep. for the right is to come back because I think everyone will and to see her and Kayla Harrison, given the given given the buildup, given the backstory, given how much Kayla Harrison feels that she's better than her, I think that, that there's so many unanswered questions about that fight that we need to see. And I think it would be a totally regrettable situation if we never ended up, we never ended up getting a chance to watch that because that is some high level women's MMA for sure. But given um, the boxing side, good for her. I'm glad. And she's taking up another venture on the on the boxing front, and it'll be interesting to see what he does moving forward. And and it's good for her to see that she's just as much of a beast at at, at another combat sport as she is as she is with MMA. Because uh, for, for those of you who have forgotten, until uh, this past weekend, her hands are very very lethal. So very very lethal. I mean, Chris Cyborg, one of the one of the greatest women MMA fighters of all time, maybe even the greatest woman MMA fighter of all time. She's just she's incredible and the fact that she's still getting it done in a different sport is just so so crazy. For sure. So kind of um transitioning a little bit more over onto the regional side of things and this is this was one that you we wanted to talk about. We had a UFC fight pass card take place with us Friday. It was Unified MMA 55. Um, it was also part of the Dana White looking for a fight YouTube series and Pat Uber. You were locked in on this card the entire night. What did you think of the card? Would you like to see more of this from UFC? You fight pass and do you think it's good to see Dana go to these smaller shows to see kind of what these regional fighters have to see if they really have what it takes to make it to the UFC? Because I feel like whenever Dana says that He's going to one of these smaller cards. The hype for that card just get, it's immense, knowing that yeah. n- knowing n- knowing that the boss man is actually is actually in attendance. Well, I had known that this card was actually in the works for a looking for a fight before it was actually announced. So I think that the promotion was gearing up to make a card that really gave Dana White what he wanted, and I love that. I love that when Dana White comes to town. These regional promotions are just going to put on a show and make sure that Dana White sees their best fighters. And I think that's what Unified MMA did. I think Moa Doe is an amazing fighter. Mateo Vogel, Mark Hume. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that were on that card that ended up winning their fights that they they deserve to be in front of Dana White. They deserve to have Dana see their fights and see what they're about. And they deserve the world to have their eyes on them because Dana was there. So I'm very happy. I think that I think that UFC Fight Pass definitely should continue it. I think I wish they showed the prelims for this card. I don't know why they didn't show the prelims. That was something that slightly annoyed me. Only the main card was on Fight Pass. But I definitely think that the hype around these cards with Dana when he goes for a, looking for a fight, I mean, they're out of this world. And it got so many eyes on such a great card. I think that it should be continued for long into the future oh i think i think so too and that just leaves me more excited to watch the episode because i'm curious to mm-hmm. see uh the, to watch, the contract well not just to watch the contracts but to 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 watch to watch dana's re- reactions mm-hmm. to, these, to these fights were just absolutely yep. hilarious so i can't i, I can't i can't wait to see yeah i'm totally with you this card was uh 
This card was tremendous, and I hope that uh, look for the fight continues because if you really want a behind the scenes look on who Dana is really look, looking for to and do his promotion, that's always is is very very much exactly that. And for those of you who have never seen any of the previous episodes, I personally would highly recommend you to see them because they are just absolutely awesome. So I'm very I'm very glad he was able to make it out and it's good to see Dana, you know. Support regional MMA, considering that you know when he started this venture six or seven, um, when he when he started this venture six or seven years ago, he 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 kind of admitted that he wished that he would have gone back out on the road more, and he's actually been able to find some really good talent. So it's it's good to see that he's still trying to push it, and he's still you know out there on the grind and trying to sign you know the the next great future prospect in the world of mixed martial arts, and it's very it's very good to see. So Zan, you were talking about the episodes for this, this show, but I mean, we're going to see some episodes for a new show coming out about Molly McCann and Patty Pimblett who get their own reality TV show on BBC. It's tracking their life inside and outside of the cage. I mean, I wasn't expecting this. I don't think you were. I don't think many people were either, no, but no. I mean, great job, honestly, because Molly and Patty are two fun people that really, they really embody like, you know, just like fun fighters. and. I, they, they're a great duo i love the move i just wish it wasn't so late molly's lost a bit of her hype at this point and i mean patty patty's still there but he's definitely lost some hype along the way too i just wish they did this like a year or so ago but i still think this is going to be honestly a pretty funny tv show yeah it's going to be a funny tv show for sure um it's and it's obviously going to be good for the uk fans because that's oh, yeah. what they're trying to target and uh those two are definitely characters, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see uh, when the show comes out what actually transpires. And maybe this is like a, uh, maybe this is like a um, what do you what do you call it? Like a like a, like a billion first type show in the in the in the United States where, where where all these people get followed around and they see the goofy stuff that they try to do and their 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 day to lives and everything and everything they try to incorporate into 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 being famous. It's definitely a very interesting concept, and uh, yeah. this may sound uh, not so popular to the contrary, but I actually am more excited to watch this for Molly McCann than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Than I am Patty Pimblett because personally, I think we know everything about Patty Pimblett's personality. I don't think we really know much about Molly McCann outside of the whole book. Or stool relationships, mm-hmm. so this show should be very interesting. Well, from someone who's actually been lucky enough to have to have the chance to hang out with Molly one night at Bellator 300, she is a character. She is an amazing, fun person to be around, and I honestly can't wait to see what her life looks like in this TV show. That's uh, that's awesome. And speaking mm-hmm. of um, speaking of major stars, we had a little bit of some down on. Who's to end the show here? Dana White was asked at the UFC 297 post by a presser about the status of Conor McGregor's long-awaited return to the UFC in a potential fight with Michael Chandler. And he put it very simply, when we are ready to announce Conor McGregor's return and against who we will let you know, which left everybody in a total panic that maybe as maybe Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler won't happen. I I am still going to go out on a women's. It will happen. I I think it's more so just about negotiations at this point and what card we're going to eventually do this on. But I think that, you know, when it comes to when it comes to Conor McGregor, they want to make it a special announcement, and I think that's why they've been keeping it under wraps for so long. What do you what do you think? 
I would have to agree. I think when Connor's fight gets announced, everyone will know about it. Most definitely, everyone will know that Connor McGregor is fighting. And I think they just got to wait for the one. They have to wait for the right, uh, wait for the right time. But two, I just think that they they're still working some things out there. I don't know if. I don't know if he'll end up fighting Chandler. I don't know what's going on. I, I'm pretty sure that Connor will return this year, but against who? I couldn't tell you, but they're definitely going to make it a point to make that announcement a very big deal. Do you, do you think it's going to be UFC 302 on International Fight Week, or do you think it's going to be a different date? I think it might be a different date after some of the things we've heard, only because Dana Dana's being a little a little too quiet about it in a sense i feel like he would be saying like oh you'll hear connor news soon he'd at least be trying to hype it up a bit but he said that he doesn't know when connor's gonna fight and that he'll let us know when when he does so i don't necessarily believe that he'll let us know immediately but at the same time i don't think that uh it'll be in june what do you think of him not really knowing when pressed about it about connor mcgregor's video with the red wine and the 185 Eight pounds and the whole thing. It didn't really seem like Dana was clued in on the viral video that the whole world saw. <laughs> I don't understand how Dana wasn't aware of that video. I mean, it, it seems like everyone was aware of that video. I had some of my friends, like my personal friends, texting me like, hey, man, like Conor McGregor is going to be back in June, like all this stuff. So, I mean, it feels like everyone saw that video. I don't know how Dana was the only one that missed it in the world. But Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's definitely very interesting. I'm going to I have to agree with you that Conor McGregor does fight later this year, but I personally think if it isn't against Michael Chandler, then the ultimate fighter of season 31 was an absolute waste of time. I could definitely see why you'd say that. I We've had fighters be coaches before and not end up fighting, so it wouldn't be the worst thing, but I think all that hype built into that fight just goes away. I mean, come on. They put so much hype into that season of the ultimate fighter. I feel like no one even cared about the fighter. Sadly, it was all about Chandler and McGregor. I know. So now that unfortunately it looks like that Conor McGregor won't be fighting on UFC 300. We actually have fights on UFC 300 that were announced uh, this past week, which I guess you could say there are actually some pretty good consolation prizes. So for the BMF title, we have, we have Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway and for UFC 300. This is obviously a um a, a few future Hall of Famers fight, a legends fight, and every into the world of the world. There's no oh, the, the, there's no way this fight is awesome. I saw some people online saying, "Oh, you know, oh, you, you know, Max Holloway's washed. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't deserve this." I don't want to hear any of that slander. <laughs> he, these guys are these guys are two of the most. Uh, um, original lighter weight fighters that you'll get, and uh, anyone, and, and and I'm just gonna put it bluntly: anyone who doesn't who doesn't like this fight simply does not like the sport of MMA. Period. That's what that's what I that's what that's what I that's what I think. I'd have to agree, man. I mean, I don't know how you could want more than this fight. I mean, it's it, I mean, it's been talked about. I feel like for years now as a potential like big matchup to happen down the road. Holloway Gaethje. I mean, they. Their styles would just clash so perfectly, I feel like. And I don't understand how anyone could not be excited about this fight. This is such a good fight. It's so high level. I mean, I know Gaethje was never the lightweight champion, but he's been one of the best lightweights in the world for so long now. And Max Holloway, I mean, how how much better can you get than Max Holloway's resume? It's just going to be such an incredible fight. 
For sure. Well, I guess you could say he was the lightweight champion, considering he was the interim champion briefly. But yeah, I I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. We also had another fight in that. As well, and we also had a bit of history in that fight announcement as Jim Miller became the first UFC fighter ever to, who or he's going to be competing. Um, oh, he did he competed on UFC 100, 200, or now 300. So, congratulations to him, and he will be fighting in the other OG that's sporting Bobby Green. There's, there's no way that this fight isn't exciting either. That's for, that's for sure. I mean, I, Jim Jim Miller has a great ground ground, uh, ground game, and Bobby Green's has looked so improved throughout the last couple of years. And both men can go in there and just throw down. Man, we both seen we seen both these guys in how many wars throughout the years? I mean, well, just going okay. back and forth and back and forth. I I can't see a way that this fight isn't similar to that. For sure, for sure. Well, um, UFC three hundred is definitely very exciting. We are officially eighty six. He's away from the event again. It's April 13th in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can pick that up on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. And as more fights are announced, me and Tom will go over the, the entire card as soon as it is revealed. But it is certainly being built up as a, as a UFC event to remember. And with all that being said, that's going to do it for another edition of the MMA Outsiders. Again. And this was episode 68. Thanks again and to Pat for going in for Tom. This week. Pat, you did a very... um. Excellent job. This was a wonderful discussion, and I think we have some great chemistry. Before we get out of here, we, we just wanted to remind you again, please like and subscribe. He shared the show across all social media platforms. You can find this at ETV Network on Facebook, Instagram, and X. And, and of course, you can find this show also on all of our podcast um, platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you get your podcasts. And, and for those of you who that prefer to listen to the audio version, please come back over here and you, you can find the YouTube version of the podcast as well as we are quickly approaching 700 subscribers. So every single subscriber helps as we continue to grow the network. And, and of course, I'm and Ben, when that's Pat Dean, to my left. Thank you again for tuning in into another edition of the MMA Outsiders. And uh, we will see you back here next week where the UFC's as we'll be back up and running um, once again to be in the month of February and to kick off another uh, UFC Fight Night card from Las Vegas. We'll see you guys then and enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for having me, Zan. Good job.